Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to welcome you to the latest, by far the greatest edition of Nick's Nonfiction Ever, here with your host, Nick Muniz. We have got Aldous Huxley's The Doors of Perception. It's getting trippy beyond belief today. Aldous starts, I'd say, his best work, quote, in recent history for many more people, the craving for alcohol and opiates has been stronger than the love of God, of home, of children, even of life. Starting on some God is dead shite out here. The Nietzschean revolution just ended. Aldous Huxley was out there on his typewriter punching out Brave New World. This guy knows about drug use. And this book is chapter by chapter him going through a psychedelic trip. It's dope, people. We're extrapolating all the philosophical ideas. He's saying that society is dead. People are valuing doing fentanyl in the street over a home, over God. This is a step further than the Nietzsche. Quote, there is a paradox here and a mystery. Why should such multitudes of men and women be so ready to sacrifice themselves for a cause so utterly hopeless and in ways so painful, so profoundly humiliating? Okay. He's going to go really far with British nerd. Mm, you can't even have one beer and enjoy it. Aldous says the paradigm of alcohol and drug use is akin to slavery. He's the leader at the AA meeting, basically. In some people's minds, I, Aldous, getting drunk after an eight-hour shift is A-OK. -okay. But for people like him, it's literally demonic spirits in a bottle. Alcohol, spirits. Yeah, it's gonna get much trippier, much sillier. In the 40s, it was called the Grand Experiment, trying to expand your consciousness. And then in the 60s, they called psychedelics the atom bomb for the mind. Like, it got out of hand really quick. The 60s was a psyop. <laughs> these people, like uh, Hoffman, Huxley, these guys were doing real things with the psychedelics. What do you call an expert in psychedelics? A trip advisor. <laughs> Alda says, Toothaches, arthritis, neuralgia could and frequently did drive men and women to become opioid addicts. This has been going on since the 1940s. This isn't new. I heard the Taliban's even outlawing opium. They're growing olives instead. You know, for the extra virgins. You know, there's plenty of epidemics that we could fucking talk about today. There's a vitamin D epidemic they're saying now. Here's an idea. Go outside. Not pay 60 bucks for a B12 shot. <laughs> My question for today. Why is there a seemingly manufactured stigma against mind-expanding substances? <laughs> and you're allowed to drink yourself to death or do opiates, as Aldous is going to say? Brave New World was a good one. We'll wave, weave in that. We'll weave in everywhere, everything, all at the same time. That new movie, very trippy. You got to learn about these altered states of consciousness. It's kind of smart to play around with your brain. Aldous says, The ordinary waking consciousness is a very useful and most occasions an indispensable state of mind. But it is by no means the only form of consciousness, nor in all circumstances, the best. We're not trying to get blasted into hyperspace today. Aldous is going to take us chapter by chapter through his trip and what you can learn out of that. And what about society? 
I never used to think Facebook was a cancer to society. That is, until they started metastasizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do not miss this episode. We'll be right back after a short advertisement. About the author Aldous Huxley, check out Instagram at Harry Schwant. Very shareable memes and patreon.com slash the niche. Picking up pace. Wikipedia says Aldous is a poet, playwright, novelist, short story writer, travel writer, essayist, critic, philosopher, mystic, and social prophet. Aldous was one of the most accomplished, uh, yeah, in the mid-20th century. He was like neck and neck with Orwell for the best fiction writer. Born in England, died in L.A., at 69, nice. He considered his main area of study to be philosophical mysticism. Yikes, dude, that did not age well. Quote, During his first years, his head was proportionately enormous so that he could not walk till he was two. This guy's an egghead. <laughs> Had some good ideas. Quote, Huxley took his undergraduate degree from Oxford in 1916 and spent several years during World War I working in a government office. The Ministry of Truth? No, we actually have the Misinfo Bureau now. <laughs> Here's a famous quote from Brave New World. Our civilization has chosen machinery and medicine over happiness. That's why I have to keep these books locked up in a safe. Brave New World. Kind of sounds like Fahrenheit 451. Yo, didn't they just ban V for Vendetta in Texas? <laughs> Huxley knows all. <laughs> Library bookshelves are starting to look like the Google search result page. Would you like to read about Starbucks or McDonald's? <laughs> it's a double Pornhub rim shot. I'm the first ever to do it. Why did the one-eyed man marry the shallow girl? He lacked depth perception. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Chapter 1, buy the ticket. You ain't ready. Buckle up. Huxley starts this trip report with a little bit of like historical context. He's talking about indigenous American cacti. Hunter S. Thompson, quote, In the words of one early Spanish visitor to the New World, they eat a root, which they call peyote, and which they venerate as though it were a deity. Food of the god, what does uh, Graham Cockenhand say? Huxley's take, quote, True, they stopped short at a point well this side of idolatry, but all concurred in assigning to Mescaline a position among, among, of unique distinction. Okay, Huxley's trying to split hairs here in the first chapter of the book. And yeah, peyote is a god to some people, and it's just a cactus that should be illegal to some. You know, LSD was synthesized 20 years before this, so... He's not even, like, on the cutting edge right here. 1954, this book was dropped. 34, my dude Hoffman dropped LSD in the lab. He didn't know what was happening. Rides home on his bicycle, and he's, like, coming up. He doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> Tells his wife he thinks he's coming down with something, and she goes and milks the cow. He drinks an entire bucket of milk and then passes out. He has, like, the most wild hallucinations. LSD is born. The more you know. Yeah, we got a long-ass quote here from Huxley. 
The matter rested until two or three years ago, a new and perhaps highly significant fact was observed. Actually, the fact had been staring everyone in the face for several decades. A young English psychiatrist working in Canada was struck by the close similarity in chemical composition between mescaline and adrenaline. Bro, this quote is so long. It has the same biochemical structure. Like, adrenaline can produce symptoms that are observed in mescaline. Uh, it's a different type. Like, many drugs do the same thing. <laughs> you could get as high as you do from alcohol with a pill, and you don't get hungover. Terrible example. But you trip off of this shit every single night. Is kind of the point. How this was in California for business school, spring 1953. I was on the spot and willing, indeed, eager to be a guinea pig. Thus, it came about that one bright May morning, I swallowed four-tenths a gram of mescaline, dissolved in half a glass of water, and sat down to wait for the results. I thought he was a scientist. Shouldn't four-tenths be two-fifths? Reduce your fractions! <laughs> he told the administrators he didn't want a trip sitter. That was wild. Uh... You should probably have someone watching after you for the first time. Quote, we live together, we act on and react to one another, but always and in all circumstances, we are by ourselves. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I was worth the drop. <laughs> this guy's a little edgelord. We're always alone. You know, when you're in the throes of coming in and out of consciousness, it's nice to grab onto someone's hand to know what reality is real. But Huxley, yeah, you know, because you're smart. Much like the... T my point is that I'm not I'm smart, but experience is 90% of intelligence. Quote, uh, Thus remembering our own bereavements and humiliations, we can condole with others in analogous circumstances. We could put ourselves in their places. Yeah, it's called empathy, Aldous. Thanks for wasting our time. The first thing you realize when you take a psychedelic drug is that empathy is a real thing. <laughs> you look in the mirror and you go, oh shit, have I been a dick lately? <laughs> oh my god, did I cut that person off in traffic? I didn't wipe my butt! <laughs> Everything you've ever done wrong comes back to you. Huxley said, uh, words are uttered, but fail to enlighten. The things and events to which the symbols refer belong to mutually exclusive realms of experience. Mutually exclusive realms, that's what I'm saying. You probably want someone here, so when there's a demon over there... <laughs> I found it interesting, he's not outright saying materialism versus non-materialism that's Aristotle versus Socrates these boys were getting high off the acacia bush all fucking day and they were like is this the real place or is the form the world of the forms the astral plane they use those interchangeably which one is real Huxley's going for his first time here as a little virgin it was written long after the trip and remember, this guy's a psychologist, he was saying, so he knows all about this empathy. <laughs> He's just making it more confusing for some reason. That's smart. Um, instead of a non-materialist or a materialist, I think he's a meh-terialist. <laughs> Huxley says, to see ourselves as others, see us is as <laughs> word soup. 
it's a gift to be able to see yourself from a new perspective. That's why I'm saying that you can separate your subconscious. It's all very technical stuff because it's a sliding scale and confusing. For more context, 1930, 1950, LSD was used by psychiatrists. They would take it and then try to observe their patients from a different point of view. Like, I'm saying, it's a way to see life from a new perspective. <laughs> it's God-given shit. And he's saying in a new era after the 50s, Freud was saying, no, you have to take the mushrooms, and then we're going to sit here and judge you. So I made fun of Huxley, but he's right. On your first trip, you don't want some stranger sitting there watching you. And that's what psychiatry turned into, someone manipulating you while you're on psychedelics. Let's share some stories here, make it more engaging. When I was living in L.A., there was somebody who lived in my... I swear to God, there were hidden cameras. This was a reality show home. 20 people living there. One gay dude was always trying to get me to trip with him. And then, you know, he was going to try to do gay things to me. <laughs> like, you could, while you have an open mind, try to brainwash people like Charles Manson. Or maybe that's what the CIA did to him. We're off the maps here. Do drugs. <laughs> Here's a funny quote from Huxley while we're getting towards the end of the chapter. Yeah, it's a little long, but it exposes his noob-dumb. What I had expected did not happen. I had expected to lie with my eyes shut, looking at visions of many colored geometries, animated architectures, rich with gems, fabulous lovely landscapes, and heroic figures. But I had not reckoned it was evident with the idiosyncrasies of my mental makeup, the fact of my temperament, training, and habits. That's the stuff. It's a fucking kaleidoscope to look at your life through in time, dude. <laughs> Let's get a quote in here. Only when I have a high temperature do my mental images come to independent life, to those in whom the faculty of visualization strong in our world seem to this is his last quote of the chapter it sucks um you can get to those visuals he's saying before and that's just coming along with meditating but the first time you're pretty frantic why are people with fever so grumpy it's because they're hot-headed <laughs> you bought the ticket chapter two take the ride aldis says Half an hour after swallowing the drug, I became aware of a slow dance of golden lights. A little later, there were sumptuous red surfaces swelling and expanding from bright nodes and energy that vibrated with continuously changing pattern life. Yeah, we were only in the come up before. That's why he wasn't seeing elephants and muses luring him. I mean, <laughs> it's not what Hollywood portrays. Um... Now he's finally starting to come up. The walls are starting to breathe. His phone screen is starting to vibrate. <laughs> I took my pill at 11. An hour and a half later, I was sitting in my study, looking intently at a small glass vase. The vase contained only three flowers. At breakfast that morning, I had been struck by the lively dissonance of its colors. But that was no longer the point. I was not looking now at the unusual flower arrangement. I was seeing what Adam had seen on the morning of his creation. The miracle, moment by moment of naked existence. This guy doesn't translate when you're not in the headspace. It was a flower moments before. 
And yeah, he was able to see the pretty colors, but now he's seeing the seed come to fruition. I like that term, come to fruition. <laughs> oh, he's still like, there's really no terms for these states. That's why it's so confusing. <laughs> like a uh, sleep scientist called it the hypnagogic state. Aldous calls it istigit, istigite. I think it's something German. And yeah, Meister Eckhart came up with another term called isness. He's like fucking there, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not getting high anymore. I'm getting isness from now on. Isness is the business. <laughs> Still, this guy's expecting to see the Pinocchio Carnival. I continued to look at the flowers, and in their living light, I seemed to detect the qualitative equivalent of breathing. That's what I'm saying before. You can <laughs> feel things that are alive. Words like grace and transfiguration came to mind, and this, of course, was what, among others, they stood for. Resonance. I don't know. That's a word in my brain right now. Yo, here's something cool. You ever hear the Schumann resonance? It's uh, like a heartbeat of the earth, a frequency it's always at. When man-made events... <laughs> yes, I stand by that. When 9-11 happened, the Schumann resonance spiked. What the hell is that? The theory is that everybody's body is in touch with the Schumann resonance. Since everything... On TV, everybody's scared out of their mind, fear living one paycheck to the next. The Schumann residency wants to wipe us all out, man. And it's only when you switch over to love that the residency goes back up. Pretty fucking hippy-dippy shit here. Aldous in the headspace. He's saying, uh, he's like <laughs> calculating things in the room. Yeah, bro, you start looking at hypotenuses and becoming a Greek Aldous says, place and distance cease to be of much interest. The mind does its perceiving in terms of intensity and existence, profundity of significance. See, he's writing poetry. This guy isn't actually telling you about the psychedelic experience. He said when he looked at the books on his uh, bookcase, it turned into a network of ideas, and he was able to see how they all connected. Quote, my actual experience had been, was still, of an indefinite duration or alternately a perpetuant present. Shut up, dude. One continually changing thing. Mm -hmm. You're not waiting for the next thing and the next thing. Am I going to work now? Am I off? Am I going? Am I waiting? Fuck me, dude. For a long time, I, I'm still in this. I think in terms of when I'm next going to be out of rent, homeless. <laughs> That's my clock of time, bro. And only until you get drunk and listen to rock music or take psychedelics, you are forced to just live. It's all relative, man. If Einstein was from the South, he would bang time. Because time is relative. <laughs> Aldous Point is that clocks are fake. So deep, bro. What is this, Rick and Morty? Yeah, bro, when I do the Stoic episodes, you're supposed to feel the fucking rush of time, the hot breath on your neck. No, dude, I'm dying right now as I speak to you. We're all dying. So let's take advantage of it. Let's do something. Now Huxley is out here going through the existential phase. <laughs> Quote, the brain, the nervous system, and sense organs are mainly illimitive and not productive. Yeah, the brain is not productive, Aldous. 
What are you even saying, bro? Um, I have to wade through the shit for you people. Okay, I'll take it back in. Quote, each person is at each moment capable of remembering all that has ever happened to him and or perceiving everything that has ever happened everywhere in the universe. I don't know about that, bro. <laughs> you could just instantly know the history of the universe. I would have a bestseller tomorrow, Aldis. I do agree a little bit with the former, that you have access to your memories. Oh, my God. I like that book, uh, the movie the butterfly effect and he opens up his notebooks since i was 14 i've been writing down every single day what i do i can open to a random page and i feel like i'm there i'm living the experience of that day my dudes start doing that it's good for fucking brain function i don't know man he says the nervous system is there to protect you from being overwhelmed yeah your brain is more of a filter than it is an antenna which you get taught a lot I don't know, taught, misled by hippies and older brothers that smoke you up. <laughs> like, I think your brain is actually narrowing down things so that you can be productive, Aldis. And it's, yeah, you, when you take drugs, you might not be productive for four hours. You have to schedule your time. You see, acid is taking eight hours of your day. That's a very rare experience. Mushrooms, four hours, in and out, enlightenment. <laughs> Not really. Aldous, largely, he says, by shutting out most of what we should otherwise perceive or remember at any moment, you leave that very small special selection which is likely practically useful. Your brain has to do this. So it's really helpful from time to time to be able to take all those filters off. Huxley, deeper quote, two methods are available, the educational and the biochemical. We can take adults... <laughs> Just as a warning, this is when he starts getting Brave New World. And to give you context, because we're going fast, there's two methods. Educational, we can tell people about this, or we could just give them guinea pig test doses. Quote, we can take adults and children as they are and give them much better training than we are giving them now. Or, by appropriate biochemical methods, we can transform them into superior individuals. If these superior individuals are given a superior education, the results will be revolutionary. That's everybody at the academy fucking clapping for Aldis. He wants to biochemically change everybody into superior individuals. <laughs> so, like, Brave New World was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Alpha through Epsilon, but really, we should do this. He's a little champagne douche, this guy. I don't know. These are like the ultimate brain-building tools that we're talking about. And he's talking about using them to replace it with a silicon mind. Like, I can have my phone on me to look up useless information. These things should be used to expand consciousness. And he's coming off the same exact way that Elon Musk does. We'll just put a chip in our brain. We have technology. We don't need to memorize everything. <laughs> Fucking gay. I don't know. Maximizing humanity. That's what these things are for. We can change the resonance. <laughs> Copernicus. That guy was thought to be a liar his entire life. There's a psychedelic revolution going on. And Huxley was 
a little bit ahead of his time. And yeah, people just needed to run with these ideas further. So he did what he had to, but I'm going to keep <laughs> making fun of him because it's funny. The ability to remember, quote, and to think straight is a little, if at all, reduced. Let me just say that again. Don't do drugs! The ability to remember and think straight is little, if at all, reduced. I've talked to cops. Hi. I fucking... Dude. The only thing that people can tell is your uh, pupils are massive, so wear sunglasses. Nick's nonfiction pro tips. Um, yeah, bro, go in the woods. You're not supposed to be in the techno future. Should I share some deep dives now? <laughs> Taking some 2.5ers. That's, I'm talking boomers right now, and I put on eye shades, and sometimes I'll do like Indian chants for the first hour, and then silence after that. And you get into this state. It's not sleep. <sighs> Because you can, like, wake up on command. Like he's saying, you're thinking straight, but your body isn't connected. <laughs> it sounds so bad. Um, but you could snap back into it. That's why you need to have this safe space. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've kind of seen, like, some cyberpunk city type of shit. That was one of my first really major trips. I woke up and I was blaring car horns, it sounded like. I don't know if I'm being impressed upon from, like, cyberpunk and blade runner in these things but that's what it looked like and then you know i saw some fractal ass places <laughs> the ability to think straight it's there like i you're in different places uh listening to the recordings of my conversation quote under the influence of the drug i cannot discover that i was then any stupider than i am at ordinary times <laughs> i'm always stupid takeaway number two i'm giving you for this chapter in the form of a quote Visual impressions are greatly intensified, and the eye recovers some of the perceptual innocence of childhood. The interest of time falls almost to zero. Yeah, that's why colors are so bright. It's like seeing everything again for the first time. I thought he was going to say that visual impressions are intensified, so don't be looking at <laughs> creepy stuff. Seriously, don't expose yourself to things that you... You realize how sensitive you are. And maybe you do that in your normal life. Takeaway number three. The intellect remains unimpaired. And though perception is enormously improved, the will suffers a profound change for the worse. I disagree with him, but apparently he was hooking up with furries. I like furry walls when I'm tripping. Yeah, I'm really tempted to touch those. Takeaway number three. For life, temptation. Stay away from it. And that's a really good tip because I'm. T you might want to go to hyperspace like I just said to you now. Seriously, if you're ever tempted to do these things, it's not the right impulse. And like I've been through that phase. I can't wait for two weeks from now so I could try it again. You realize that's not the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah, learn from everybody else's mistakes, people. Chapter 3, Afterglow. Aldous not only going to make sense of the experience, he's like calculating his speech to try to communicate facts. Like his first, <laughs> I'm going to change everything, dude. And he's being a better writer now. For this long but indispensable excursion into the realm of theory, we may now return to the miraculous facts. 
for five hours after the event when the effects of a cerebral sugar shortage were wearing off i was taken for a little tour of the city which included a visit turning sundown uh, modestly claimed to be the world's biggest drugstore he went into he's in the right place if we go to a candy store <laughs> he's in there aldissi's uh van gogh painting yeah before you die Take some psychedelics and look at Starry Night. <laughs> the thing is moving in circles, bro. I have a couple Monets going. I got the Angel Falls in my apartment. Dude, it looks like some of those pictures are moving. He's in the right place. Quote, I returned to the Van Gogh to its rack and picked up the volume standing next to it. It was a book on Botticelli. I turned the pages, The Birth of Venus, never one of my favorites. Mars and Venus. Botticelli, that guy painted the lady standing in the oyster. You've definitely seen it. Yeah, art is pretty dope. <laughs> um, good art. He had some, like, 14-year-old deep thoughts about, it makes no sense that we have to wear clothes. <laughs> and he's calling it brain sugar before. Bro, take a step back, Aldous. Quote, in life, man proposes, God disposes. That was a tweet. Let's give another quote. Not much heaven knows in comparison with the reality, but enough to delight generation after generation of beholders, enough to make them understand at least a little of the true significance of what in our pathetic imbecility we call mere things. Things! And then he starts talking about television. <laughs> yeah, man, he's in the extremist phase already. Um, he says this is how one ought to see. Ought! See, he's already jumping the gun of philosophy. Keep to your psychology, Freud boy. Uh, he says, In the bookshelves, the legs of my infinitely Van Gogh chair, this is how one ought to see how things really are. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know, man. He said he was a critic, right? <laughs> he takes psychedelics once. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. I think they the drugs teach you how to think. They don't teach you how to critique art. He's just learning more analytical patterns. <laughs> I think kids nowadays who are looking at algorithms, who are, I mean, looking at algorithms, not being abused by them, they're going to be smart as fuck. The first time they trip, that shit's going to click in a minute. <laughs> oh, boy, Zoomer competition. <laughs> I don't know. These kids need to find some psychedelics. Nobody's happy anymore. Not even the fucking kids I see smoking outside of my store. What are you doing? <laughs> Go in the woods. We're on the edge of wilderness. Quote, unhealthy disposition to be over-concerned and self-conscious is abundant. <laughs> we're over-concerned and we're self-conscious. Be your express yourself. Here's a hot take right out of the oven. I think electronics are worse of a drug than psychedelics. <laughs> you know, you can't trip two days in a row. Like, your brain won't, it won't take. And you definitely can spend multiple days of your life on the phone on social media. This is ruining. You can use, like, uh, media to inspire you as well, though, to counteract the negativity. Let's end this chapter with a big fat quote. Now I knew contemplation at its height. 
I was given access to a contemplation that is compatible with action. It's not enough to know. You have to act. Contemplate. Act. Love it. He says, the very thought of action, the intervals in between, revelations, shut up with the poetry. Uh, Though in one way everything is supremely as it should be, in another way there is something wrong. Stick with the positivity. We're about to turn negative for the second half. Chapter 4. Snap back to reality. <laughs> See, he got it out of his system. The afterglow. Everybody goes through this pie-in-the-sky phase. You ought to do this. You have to recycle. Also outside of my store, there's this kid always trying to campaign to legalize mushrooms. You're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> but uh, start a political action campaign, my dude. I hope he's getting numbers, at least. Uh, And by that, I mean chicks numbers. (laughs) Wasn't a joke. Quote, half at least of all morality is negative and consists in keeping out of mischief. The Lord's Prayer is less than 50 words long, and six of those words are devoted to asking God not to lead us into temptation. (laughs) I liked it. I wish my preacher was that funny growing up. Dude, fucking lead us from temptation. Please take away that one thing from anything I've ever taught you. Let me blow my own horn for a minute because this is going to be a higher viewing episode. Actually, it has a shitty thumbnail, so probably not. We've learned together and grown. Okay, that's enough tooting my horn. He says, Men have attached more importance to the inscape than to objective existence. (laughs) Yeah, very deep, bro what is valuable in your life here's another kind of 14 year old point what wonder then if human beings in their search for the divine had generally preferred to look within generally but not always in the art no less than in religion the taoists the zen buddhists looked beyond visions to the void and through the void at the tens of thousands of things of objective reality shut up with the fucking multiverse of madness at the end (laughs) The void, bro. If you want to make good art, go into the void. (laughs) Hobos need YouTube channels. Um, He's like critiquing music now. There was zero music in the 50s, so what was there to critique? Actually, he talked about Mozart a little bit. That was cool. Listen to some of that when you're tripping. It's hard because it goes up and down. Uh, What was that? (laughs) Like, some kids always try to get me to listen to Tool. There was one experimental album that's supposed to go through nine hours of a trip. What? I don't know. Not for me. Check that out if you like it. He says, Mescaline is completely innocuous. Its effects pass off after eight or ten hours, leaving no hangover and consequently no craving for renewal of the dose. You're not going to be jonesing after 12 hours of peaking. (laughs) Quote, the departed soul hmm, is described as shrinking in the agony of pure light of the void, ordered to rush headlong into the comfort of darkness. What are you saying? He did say, an unhappy ghost, a denizen of hell. Sick language. Stick to the poetry, Aldous. Quote, we walked out into the street. 
A large pale blue automobile was standing at the curb. At the sight of it, I was suddenly overcome with enormous merriment. What complacency, what an absurd self-satisfaction beamed from those bulging surfaces of gloss and enamel. Man had created the thing in his own image. Like he looked at the flowers before, he's finding the beauty in the machine world. <laughs> Quote, The magic began to work again only when we turned down into a new suburb and were gliding between the houses. Yeah, cruising is pretty fun. Uh, last quote of the chapter. An hour later, with ten more miles safely behind us, we were back at home. I had returned to that reassuring but profoundly unsatisfactory state of being known as one's right mind. <laughs> chapter 5. Whoop, there goes gravity. We've snapped back to reality. He drove through the suburbia, and it was cool to be moving in a car while you're high. Now you have to go home. <laughs> there goes gravity. I liked that fucking quote. You're being in one's right state of mind. You mean suck? Fucking awful existence? The human condition? Just kidding-ish. <laughs> um, you can't be sad when you're on mushrooms. Like, it really is impossible to be sad. It doesn't make sense to. You just start thinking of new ways that you're going to fix things. And that sounds a little bit manic. But you can just sit there and look at a fucking tree and be like, this is beautiful. It's impossible to be sad. <laughs> you have to take well chantabutrin, whatever these fucks are pushing when these mushrooms grow everywhere. <laughs> it's impossible to be sad on them. Seriously, microdosing can change your life. Quote, the idea that humanity at large will ever be able to dispense with artificial paradises seems very unlikely. We love our phones. We're never going to dispense of the fake pleasures. There's so many pleasures already out there in nature. Oh, my God. <laughs> he says, most men and women lead lives at the worst so painful, at the best so monotonous, poor and limited, that the urge to escape, the longing to transcend themselves only for a few moments, is and has always been one of the principal appetites of the soul. The happiest part of your day. I'm not making fun of you. Fact is probably shitting. Like sitting on the toilet away from everyone scrolling on your phone. I know, people. It's mine, too. We live these fucking monotonous, painful existences where the only way to get happiness is a moment of escapism. So if you can schedule four hours, that escapism becomes the true reality. But yeah, escapism is one of the only ways to, you know, refurbish and replenish, I'm trying to say. Not a lot of time for that shit. <laughs> Get back to work. He says, art and religion, carnivals and Saturnalia, dope, dancing and listening to oratory. All these have served in H.G. Wells' phrase, doors in the wall. Yes, sir. Bread and circus, it's our door into escapism. Just existing purely for a moment, not thinking. Fuck thinking! Like, hopefully I can help you take your brain out of existence for a moment for with these shows. He's con explaining chemical concoctions here that are synthetic and try to do the same thing. 
barbiturates and benzos, most of these modifiers of consciousness cannot be taken except under doctor's orders or else illegally and at considerable risk. For unrestricted use, the West has permitted only alcohol and tobacco. All the other chemical doors in the wall are labeled dope and therefore unauthorized. The doors in the wall, baby. That's what music is. That's I didn't even realize that's what I was trying to say, dude. I'll let me be your door in the wall. I'm not trying to get sappy here. Something, some way to see the world in a different perspective. I'll still send you the spore swabs if you need them. You know, <clears throat> get your endorphins, your door in the wall from coffee. He says we now spend a good deal more on drink and smoke than we spend on education. <laughs> Freaking out. <laughs> This is, of course, not surprising. The urge to escape from selfhood and the environment is almost everyone at all times. The urge to do something for the young is strong only in parents and in them only for a few years during which their children go to school. I don't know, dude. The fucking, our kids are raised by iPads. Enough said. End the show. Some wild shit that I always come back to is that the owners, like Steve Jobs, didn't let his kids use the iPad. Tech CEOs don't let their kids use Twitter. Like, if your kid is scrolling on TikTok, he's an Epsilon. If you give him a Nintendo Switch, he's a Beta. Give him fucking uh, learning in Academy and he'll be an Alpha. Like, seriously, the media is the new way to breed minds. <laughs> so choose the right diet. Straight up out of Brave New World, my dude. I need to make a fiction of my own. <laughs> um, that takes way too much time. Some more good ranting from the Hux. Mr. Huxtable. <laughs> in spite of the growing army of hopeless alcoholics, in spite of the hundreds of thousands of persons annually maimed or killed by drunk drivers, popular comedians still crack jokes about alcohol and its addicts. And in spite of the evidence linking cigarettes with lung cancer, practically everybody regards tobacco smoking as being hardly less normal and natural than eating. <laughs> From the point, vape during your meal. People do this. From the point of view of the rationalist utilitarian, this may seem odd. For the historian, it's exactly what you'd expect. The rational scientist utilitarian. <laughs> They're like, what's going on? Why won't people just wear their mask? And if you read history, you're like, yeah, people do what they want to fucking do. The rational utilitarian. We know that lung cancer happens. We were lied to about it. People are still doing it. I'm not being negative. I try to say realism. I don't want to go too much into the positive. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. And I think history just gives you that round point of view. Fuck science. It's all paid for. All. He's seeing everything through this like new prism. Uh, he's describing what will be known as fictional soma later. It must be less toxic than the opium or cocaine. Less likely to produce undesirable social consequences than alcohol or porbiturates. This is awesome. So he's designing his perfect drug that would keep people docile. Kind of sounds like technology. You get that cocaine hit, but it's not as much as zoning out from opium. 
talking continues on the positive side it should produce changes in consciousness more interesting more intrinsically valuable than mere sedation or dreaminess delusions of omnipotence or releasing from inhibitions so it kind of sounds like fentanyl but also to make it relatable this is social media bro escapism <laughs> he said produce changes in consciousness Whenever you watch a goddamn YouTube video, you're seeing someone else's point of view. And the more they can give you that feeling, the up and down, the more the door is open. <laughs> um, what did we hear about? Like this past couple of years, Kratom blew up out of nowhere. Why didn't that have the staying power? It didn't give people an altered state of consciousness. It just zoned them out. You listen to people's stories. Um, sounds like opium. Yeah, fucking the perfect drug out here. It is social media. Quote, When for whatever reason men and women fail to transcend themselves by means of worship, good works, and spiritual exercises, they are apt to resort to religion's chemical surrogates, alcohol, and goof pills. In the modern West, alcohol and opium. In the East, hashish in the Muhammad world. You know, every culture thinks they're sophisticated and sober. Everybody is getting fucked up. Muslims, worse, you smoke hookah like a fucking steam engine, a freight train. Those people are getting high. Yo, hookah gets you ripped. It's <laughs> a great quote, you know, when religion fails, we look elsewhere. That's <laughs> what it is. That's why priests are drunk. Quote, and what we may ask, are these devout and well-behaved peyotists experiencing... Not the mild sense of virtue, he says, for the Native Americans, religious experience is something more direct and illuminating. Let's go to a bigger quote. I am not so foolish as to equate what happens under the influence of mescaline or of any other drug prepared or in the future preferable. This guy sucks. <laughs> With the realization of the end and ultimate purpose of human light, enlightenment, the beatific vision all I am suggesting is that the mescaline experience is what Catholic theologians call a gratuitous grace. Not necessary to salvation, but potentially help. This is the whole point of Jesus going in the desert, of kicking your 12-year-old native son into the wild. They're going to come back and they're going to have gratuitous grace. And you could do that in four hours. You don't have to risk your life. But those stories are kind of cooler, so go climb a mountain. He's going, if everyone was shaken to their core for timeless, yeah, you know, ch the world would change. Imagine all you people getting high with me. He says, instead of transforming children into fully developed adults, schooling turns our students of the natural sciences who are completely unaware of nature as the primary fact of existence into students of humanities who know nothing of humanity their own or of anything else they don't know about humanity they don't know about people or how to interact but they know the dewey decimal system it's successful education huxley another edgy quote there is always money for there are always doctorates in the learned foolery of research into what for scholars is that all-important problem who influenced whom to say that and when Beautiful quote. Everything around it sucked, but I found it. Yeah, bro, that's what school is. Who told who to say what and when? The curriculum. 
And spoiler, it's Procter and Gamble. Fucking food companies make our textbooks. <laughs> yeah, the printing press. Like, whenever there's a new technology, the internet, it revolutionizes how information can get out there. And the algorithm changed the way the internet works. <laughs> so, yeah, Web 3.0. I could tie this to that point I abandoned before. The people of the world having all their own impulses. Whether you make your religion the state, medicine, the economy, Bitcoin, sports, technology, drugs, fucking ask yourself, is this thing raising my awareness? That's the only thing. If everybody raised their awareness, the world would be fucking dope. So if sports raise, if you're looking at the baseball stats and learning how to think critically, hell yeah, raise it. That's the key to all of this bullshit. Any of these outlets can be used as doors to expand your consciousness. And technology, while I rag on it, it's the biggest one. I need to thank technology for all of the books that I didn't illegally download. I need to thank technology for all the fucking inspiration that I pirated. <laughs> You know what I'm saying out here? All of these things are double-edged swords. So use them to expand your consciousness. That's the message today. One final quote here. Aldous Huxley. This one's a doozy. The man who comes back through the door in the wall will never be quite the same as the man who went out. He will be wiser, but less cocksure. Happier, but less self-satisfied. Humbler in acknowledging his own ignorance yet better equipped at understanding the relationship of words to things, of systematic reasoning to the unfathomable mysteries which it tries forever, vainly, to comprehend. Ladies and gentlemen, Aldous Huxley dropping bombs out here. Those are Morrison-esque lyrics right there. The man who returns through the door in the wall. Mr. Huxley, thank you for dropping all this knowledge on us. <laughs> that was the Doors of Perception. Thank you all for tuning in for another edition of Nick's Nonfiction. You know we got another edition coming up next week. It doesn't end there. It keeps getting better and better. And there are so many philosophies that I fucking learned... I've touched the love, people. I want to share so many more of my deep trip stories, but they'll find their way in eventually so I don't sound crazy. <laughs> um, next time on the show, we have got Emergency by Neil Strauss. My dude is back. Previous author of The Game. Neil Strauss pulls. This guy gets laid. He has a podcast where he has hot chicks over into a sauna. Oh my god, watching beads of sweat go down girls' tits. I wouldn't be able to talk. How does he do it? Neil Strauss, he could do no wrong on this show. <laughs> this is just an anthology book. It's like if the world is ending, here's every single situation and how to prepare for the emergency. And he goes through his own journey of kind of becoming a theorist somewhat of an open thinker himself preparing for the worst seriously gonna be a fun show do not miss that one nick's nonfiction here every single week expanding your consciousness opening the door in the wall thank you seriously guys for showing up again like subscribe let me get a random soundboard effect 
to take us home. We're going to do it, people. 10K subs before you know it. I seriously love you all. It's been a fun edition. I will see you in seven short days. My name is Nick Munez. Peace.